Bismillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, nabina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Innal hamdalillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu. Wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina. Man yahdihillahu fahuwa al-muhtad wa man yudlil falahadiya lah. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana wa zidna ilma. باب ما جاء في الكهان ونحوهم what has been mentioned regarding the soothsayers and their like and the relevance of the chapter to the book remember we always look how is this chapter relevant to kitab at-tawhid the author rahimahullah he dedicated this chapter as a warning to the soothsayers and those who believe in them yani of the severe punishment awaiting them in the hereafter because the soothsayers and their like they claim the ability to know the unseen and as a result they foretell the future events based on this yani alleged knowledge of the unseen for what is our aqidah as muslimin we believe that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the unseen yani therefore whoever makes such a claim is considered as a mushrik major shirk because of what it entails of associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a matter which is specific to him subhanahu wa ta'ala for anyone who claims something of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rights then this is the essence of shirk only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the knowledge of the unseen then when these fortune tellers and these soothsayers come along and they say we know the mughayyibat, we know the matters of the unseen, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the unseen, they have committed an act of major shirk. For this is the relevance of the chapter to the book. It says, Bab ma ja'a. Ma ja'a, and we've looked at this before, what has been mentioned. Yani in this case, what has been mentioned in the sunnah, because all the evidences which the sheikh gave are in the sunnah. What has been mentioned in the sunnah of the harsh warning and the severe punishment of the soothsayers and those similar to them. What does the sunnah say about the severe punishment of the soothsayer? And what does the sunnah say of the harsh warning of those who practice soothsaying and fortune telling? Babu ma jaa fil kuhan. Fil kuhan. Kuhan is plural of kahin. And linguistically, the verb kahana means to see and to predict. For al kuhan, they are the soothsayers and the fortune tellers, the ones who inform of the happenings in the future, yani of the unseen, based on what the devils. What the shayateen, what the jinn, what they steal from the news of the sama with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For sometimes they manage to steal the news of the sama and they pass it down until it comes to the kahin. And sometimes they are cast with shihab, with the, the shooting stars. And subhanallah, they are destroyed before they can convey the news of the sama. For the pagan Arabs, they had a kahin, they had a soothsayer for each tribe. We mentioned this before. And each of them would seek assistance in a shaitan who would steal the news of the heavens and he would inform the soothsayer of it. For when the soothsayer would be informed of the khabar of the sama, of the news of the heavens, they would add lies to it. They would add lies to this one truth and then they would inform the people. And if what they say occurs, then the people foolishly believe that the soothsayer knows the future. They say that this shakhs, this individual, they know the future. They are person of knowledge and we're going to hold them in a high status and as a result they seek judgment in them when they fall into disagreement or dispute this is how the pagan Arabs would treat the the kahin they would go to them to seek judgment because they claim that they knew the ghayb they knew the unseen باب ما جاء في الكهان ونحوهم ونحوهم and their like يعني that are mentioned in the chapter 
such as the Arraf and the Munajjim and the Rammal. For all of them, they share the common property of claiming knowledge of the unseen. They all have this common property of claiming the knowledge of the unseen based on their assistance in the jinn, based on their assistance in the shayateen of the jinn. However, how do they differ? They differ in the means they use to attain their evil objective. فالعراف, the Arraf, they use tangible matters to predict the unseen. فمثلاً, they look at the cards or they look at the, the dredges of the coffee cup or they look at the hand. They predict the future supposedly based on, on these tangible matters. And Al-Munajjim, Al-Munajjim yani is the astrologer. They rely on the position of the stars to predict the future events. Yani the horoscopes essentially. This is the horoscopes. And Al-Rammal, we looked at this before. This is from At-Tarq, the one who draws lines in the sand to predict the future. And from these lines that they draw, they claim to know the future. And Al-Kahin, Al-Kahin is the one who relies purely on what they receive from the stolen news from the evil jinn. So they don't use anything tangible. So there's a bit of overlap between them. But although you know, their methods you know, and hence their names may differ, their ruling is one. And what is that ruling? Is that they have committed major shirk by claiming knowledge of the unseen. روى مسلم في صحيحه عن بعض أزواج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال من أتى عرافا فسأله عن شيء فصدقه بما يقول لم تقبل له صلاة أربعين يوما that Muslim recorded in his Sahih from some of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ that he said, whoever goes to a fortune teller and asks him something and believes in his words will have their prayer or their salah rejected for 40 days. Allahu Akbar. But this hadith is narrated by Muslim in his Sahih. And he says, عن بعض أزواج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن بعض أزواجه Sallallahu alayhi wasallam from some of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yeah, it is specifically referring to Hafsa radiallahu anha. But the Prophet Sallallahu he says, Man ata arrafan. Whoever goes to a fortune teller, the arraf. Man ata arrafan fasa'alahu an shay'in. And asks him something. Either out of curiosity or because they are convinced that what they say is the haqq. So this is whom the hadith is applicable to. But however, if they ask them to test them and to expose their lies and to expose their deceit, then the punishment mentioned in the hadith is not applicable to them. مَنْ أَتَى عَرَّافًا فَسَأَلَهُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ فَصَدَّقَهُ بِمَا يَقُولُ يعني This addition, فَصَدَّقَهُ And they believe what they say. This addition, فَصَدَّقَهُ بِمَا يَقُولُ It is not found in the hadith narrated by Muslim. Rather, it stops at... فَسَأَلَهُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ For the hadith should be the one that is narrated in Muslim مَنْ أَتَى عَرَّافًا فَسَأَلَهُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ لَمْ تُقْبَلْ لَهُ صَلَاةٌ أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمًا That whoever goes to the Arraf and asks them something then their salah will not be accepted for 40 days For this فَصَدَّقَهُ and believes what they say For they ask and then they believe This belief is not mentioned in Sahih Muslim لَمْ تُقْبَلْ صَلَاتُهُ أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمًا Their salah will not be accepted for 40 days. Yani they will receive no reward for the salah that they offer during the 40-day period. For this is not like some people think that, subhanAllah, it means that the obligation of salah has been removed from them. For they must still pray. 
But subhanallah, as a result of their praying, they are receiving absolutely no reward for their prayers. So this is subhanallah, this is a very strong punishment. That subhanallah, you pray for 40 days and it is not accepted your salah. But you must still pray. And then the general meaning of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he makes clear the punishment inflicted upon those who visit a soothsayer for acquiring knowledge about future events, which is knowledge exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Those who do such a thing will not receive any reward for the praise they offer during a period of 40 days, although they are still obligated to fulfill those prayers. This grave penalty implies a clear prohibition and a strict warning to those who fall into this evil sin. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not threaten that your salah will not be accepted, except if it was something very serious. This grave penalty implies a clear prohibition and a strict warning to those who fall into this evil sin. A soothsayer is therefore more entitled to receive a greater punishment as their sin is greater. For this is just the one who visits the, the soothsayer and the one who visits the fortune teller. What about the punishment of the one who is being asked, yani the soothsayer, who is practicing this yani fortune telling and seeking assistance in the shayateen. For obviously their sin is greater than the one who merely asks. And then the relevance of the hadith to the chapter. The hadith clearly yani, prohibits the visiting of a soothsayer and he attaches to it a great penalty. And this penalty is just for the one who asks. Therefore, the penalty for the one being asked is greater and more hideous. Nasallallahu salamu alaikum. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من أتى كاهنا فصدقه بما يقول فقد كفر بما أنزل على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم رواه أبو داود وللأربعة والحاكم وقال صحيح على شرطهما من أتى عرافا أو كاهنا فصدقه بما يقول فقد كفر بما أنزل على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ولأبي يعلى بسند جيد عن ابن مسعود مثله موقوف that Abu Hurairah narrates that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, whoever visits a soothsayer and believes in his words has denied what was revealed to the Prophet i.e. the Quran, rawahu Abu Dawood. The other four hadith collectors and al-Hakim equally reported this hadith of Abu Hurairah and classified it as sahih or sound. Whoever visits a fortune teller or a soothsayer and believes in his words has disbelieved in what was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad Abu Ya'la reported a similar hadith from Ibn Mas'ud عنه, with a good isnad but is mawquf. There's three evidences here. We're going to consider them and we're going to treat them as one. But there's the, the first hadith of Abu Huraira and then there's the second hadith of Abu Huraira and then there's the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud. And just a reminder for what takhrij is, yani takhrij is where this hadith was found in the books of hadith. Essentially, we are extracting it from the books of hadith. Which books of hadith was it found in? For as mentioned by the author, the hadith is narrated by the compilers of the four sunan. Yani the Sunan of Abi Dawood and the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi and the Sunan of An-Nasai and the Sunan of Ibn Majah. You can find this hadith of Abu Huraira in these four Sunan. And it is also narrated by Al-Hakim. Al-Hakim, remember he had Al-Mustadrak ala Al-Sahihain. And he had this hadith in there and he classified it as Sahih according to the condition of Bukhari and Muslim. And then the, the third narration is that of Ibn Mas'ud in the Musnad of Abu Ya'la. Abu Ya'la was a muhaddith who compiled a book of hadith and 
as the author says, that it is mawquf. A hadith which is mawquf is essentially the words of the Sahabi. For according to this, this is the words of Ibn Mas'ud. But this particular hadith, they say it is mawquf, but it has the ruling of a marfu'ah. Because the Sahabi does not inform of a ruling being kufr, except that he must have heard it from the Prophet ﷺ. But this is why they say it is mawquf, but it has the ruling of a marfu'ah hadith. Yani marfu'ah to the Prophet ﷺ. To summarize all of this, the hadith with all of its narrations taken into consideration, if we take the, the hadith in Al-Tirmidhi and Al-Nasai and Ibn Majah and Abu Dawood and Al-Hakim and, and the one in Musnad Abi Ya'la, if we take them all into consideration, then it is considered as Sahih because all of the narrations strengthen one another to reach this classification. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Man ata kahinan fasaddaqahu bima yaqul They come to the kahin fasaddaqahu bima yaqul They believe in what they say They ratify what they say And they confirm that it is the truth And they base their affairs on what they said They base their affairs on what they heard from the arraf And from the kahin فَقَدْ كَفْهَرَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ They have disbelieved in what was revealed And sent down to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam What was it that was sent down to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Quran and the Sunnah was sent down to the Prophet ﷺ. But specifically in the Quran, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Naml, قُلْ لَا يَعْلَمُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ الْغَيْبَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Say, O Muhammad wasallam, that none in the heavens and the earth has knowledge of the unseen except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For how can someone go to the soothsayer and believe what the soothsayer has to say without disbelieving in the Quran? For here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that no one knows the unseen and then you go to the soothsayer and you say no the soothsayer he knows the unseen but as the Prophet said فقد كفر for this is where subhanAllah there's a difference of opinion about what kind of kufr this constitutes and it all returns to فصدقه. some scholars have mentioned that if the obligation of salah is still mandated upon them then the kufr being referred to in the hadith is the lesser kufr because the salah of the kafir is not valid how can he be classified as a kafir major kufr yet they are still obligated to pray for this is where they said subhanallah this is problematic that means this must be the lesser kufr which does not remove a person from the fold of Islam and others they differentiated between the two conditions of visiting a soothsayer in an attempt to reconcile between the two hadith but they said if they ask the soothsayer but they do not believe them then their prayer is not accepted for 40 days but if they ask the soothsayer and they believe what the soothsayer says then they have fallen into major kufr and they are outside the fold of Islam and like we said that this differentiation depends on the validity of the addition فصدقه, in the first narration yani in the hadith of Hafsa radiallahu anha ala kul hal, this is not something subhanallah that is easy whether your salah is not accepted for 40 days or where you have committed minor kufr or whether you are outside the fold of Islam this is not something easy subhanallah and then the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet wasallam he warns of a severe punishment for those who visit the soothsayers seeking their help in knowing the unseen and believing them in that whoever commits this great sin is regarded to have renounced what was sent down to the Prophet wasallam renounced and rejected what was sent down to the Prophet wasallam and that is the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says None in the heavens and the earth has knowledge of the unseen except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the relevance of the hadith to the chapter that if the one who consults a soothsayer and believes what they say is deemed to have committed kufr, then the ruling of the one being asked, yani the soothsayer, is no doubt more applicable. And yani it is more applicable for them to be kuffar and they have committed kufr.
وعن عمران بن حسين رضي الله عنه مرفوعا ليس منا من تطير أو تطير له أو تكهن أو تكهن له أو سحر أو سحر له ومن أتى كاهنا فصدقه بما يقول فقد كفر بما أنزل على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم رواه البزار بسند جيد ورواه الطبراني في الأوسط بإسناد حسن من حديث ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما دون قوله ومن أتى كاهنا إلى آخره قال البغوي العراف الذي يدعي معرفة الأمور بمقدمات يستدل بها على المسروق ومكان الضال ونحو ذلك وقيل هو الكاهن والكاهن هو الذي يخبر عن المغيبات وقيل الذي يخبر عما في الضمير وقال أبو العباس بن تيمية رحمه الله العراف اسم للكاهن والمنجم والرمال ونحوهم ممن يتكلم في معرفة الأمور بهذه الطرق العمران بن Hussein radiallahu anhu he narrates in a marfu hadith that Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said he is not from us who seeks omens or has omens interpreted for him i.e. at-tiyara or who practices fortune telling or has his fortune told or who practices sorcery and magic or goes to have it done for him and whoever goes to a kahin fortune teller and believes in what he says has disbelieved in what was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reported by al-Bazzar with a good chain of narrators the same hadith was reported by At-Tabarani in Al-Awsat with a fair chain of narrators from Ibn Abbas without the words whoever goes to a kahin or a fortune teller. Imam Al-Baghawi said, Al-Arraf is a person who claims to know the matters with four signs by which he can point to stolen items, the place of lost things and the like. Some said it is the kahin and kahin is the one who foretells of unseen matters in the future. It is also said that it is the one who informs of the inner secrets. Abu Al-Abbas ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah he said, Al-Arraf is a name for the fortune teller and the astrologer or al-munajjim and the diviner al-rammal and the like of them who speak of having knowledge of matters in similar ways. Alright, so the third evidence that the Shaykh rahimahullah used was the hadith of Imran ibn Hussein. If you read down, you'll see that is also the hadith of Ibn Abbas. For the author rahimahullah, he mentions two narrations of this hadith. The first is narrated by Al-Bazzar in his Musnad from the hadith of Imran ibn Hussein. And it is a weak narration, it is da'if, but it is strengthened by the other narrations in the chapter, especially the one that comes after it. And together, when you combine these narrations, it reaches the level or the grading of Hassan. And then the second narration is narrated by At-Tabarani in his book called Al-Awsad from the hadith of Ibn Abbas. And it is similar to the narration of Imran ibn Hussain. However, at the end, it does not include the last part of the hadith. The last part of the hadith is, and who Whoever visits a kahin, whoever visits a fortune teller, has disbelieved in what was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this narration is also da'if, is also weak, but again, it's strengthened by the other narrations in the chapter to reach a level of hasan. For the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Laysa minna, that they are not from us. And this wording, Laysa minna, depending on the situation and depending on the context, it could mean that a person has exited from the fold of Islam, yani at all, they are not Muslim anymore. Or it could mean 
that their Islam is not complete. They are not from the best of Muslims. Their Islam is not complete. And similar to this is the Prophet وسلم, he said, Man minna. Whoever cheats us is not from us in Sahih Muslim. For we don't say that the one who cheats is outside the fold of Islam. For this is how sometimes Laysa minna can mean that a person is outside the fold of Islam or it could just mean that the Islam is not complete because of this action that they are doing. He said, Laysa minna man who seeks omens or has omens interpreted for them. And as we mentioned before, الطيارة, is to consider something seen or heard as a bad omen, whether it is in the past or in the present. And this was very common amongst the Arabs. They would base their affairs on مثلاً, objects or on things that they see or on things that they witness or on things that they hear. And as the hadith says, من تطير أو تطير له. يعني, The prohibition is for both those who do this action themselves and it's also for those who ask others to do it for them. For example, you consult someone you know who is يعني, renowned for الطيارة or how to interpret يعني, omens and you go and consult them regarding مثلا, travel and you ask them if they see any bad luck in your travel affairs so you explain to them مثلا, the affairs of your travel and how you're planning on traveling and which route you are taking and then you ask them do you see any bad luck in this and they will tell you for this is forbidden and doing it yourself to see bad omens in something this is also forbidden ليس منا من تطير أو تطير له أو تكهن أو تكهن له who practices fortune telling or has their fortune told يعني this is similar to the first one man tatayyara aw tutayyara lah this is man takahana aw tukuhina lah who practices fortune telling or has their fortune told yani both the fortune teller and the one who has their fortune told by the fortune teller equally fall in this prohibition of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and are equally disassociated from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam yani for example they ask the fortune teller what do you see will happen to me tomorrow or what do you see will happen to me in a month's time for they are similar the one who tells the fortune and the one who asks the fortune teller who practices sorcery or has it practiced for them for example they ask the sorcerer to implement their sihr on someone yani on someone they dislike or someone they want to subhanallah get back at or they ask the sorcerer to remove the sihr which they have been afflicted with for مثلا, they have been afflicted with sihr and they may go back to the sahir and say please remove this sihr with your sihr for this is also for for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he disassociated from all these categories of people. He said, "Laysa minna." They are not from us. And he sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he excluded them from being from his ummah or being the best of his ummah, depending on their situation. For مثلاً sahir before we talk that there is sihr which constitutes major shirk, and there is sihr which constitutes a major sin. For the one who has committed major shirk with their sihr, "Laysa minna" means what? That they have exited from the fold of Islam. But the one who has committed a major sin minna, they are not the best of us min khiyarina, they are not the best of us because they have come with something which negates their tawheed but it doesn't completely remove it and as for soothsaying for example the one who doesn't believe in the soothsayer minna means they are not the best of us because subhanallah their salah is not being accepted for 40 days but they are still required to pray but the one who goes and asks the kahin and they believe in them minna means what? that they have exited from the fold of Islam nasallallahu alayhi wa 
ليس منا من تطير أو تطير له أو تكهن أو تكهن له أو سحر أو سحر له ومن أتى كاهنا فصدقه بما يقول فقد كفر بما أنزل على محمد whoever visits a kahin and believes in what they say then they have disbelieved in the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم they have disbelieved in the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and this last part of the hadith we've already taken this in the previous hadith so we won't mention it again here and then he says like we said he also reported this hadith from the hadith of Ibn Abbas with the exclusion of the last part of the hadith but when Al-Tabarani narrated this hadith he just mentioned but he didn't have the last part but he didn't have the like we mentioned before both a hadith they strengthen one another to reach a grading of Hassan which is why the author he included both of them together after this hadith the author rahimahullah he included words from al-Baghawi and he included words from Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahumullah yani without yani going into great detail of what they said for essentially there's a difference of opinion as to what the difference between a arraf and what the difference between a kahin is and as we said the author mentioned this as an additional explanation to this hadith essentially all these aqwal that can be summarized as follows for the first qawl is that they are two names for the same thing and that they both predict the future but the only يعني, thing between them is that they use different means like we mentioned before and this is the قول of Ibn Taymiyyah he said Al-Arraf ismun lil-kahin wal-munajjim wal-rammal wa-nahwihim Al-Arraf is the general name for all of these things for if you used Al-Arraf uh, to refer to Al-Kahin or you used Al-Arraf to refer to Al-Munajjim or you used Al-Arraf to refer to Al-Rammal then you would be correct and by calling them those other names you are just adding more details to the method that they use in predicting the future. The second قول, the second opinion, that the Arraf has knowledge of prior matters of the unseen, such as knowledge of the location of stolen or lost items. For the Arraf, their knowledge is of the unseen, which has already happened. The ghayb which has already happened. While a kahin predicts the future events. Their ghayb specifically refers to the future events that have not yet occurred. This is what Al-Baghawi said. And then there is another qawl which is the third one. That the arraf is the one who informs of the inner secrets of a person. While the kahin predicts future events that have not yet occurred. The correct opinion of all of these is that of Ibn Taymiyyah. Rahimahullah in that they all share the common characteristic of claiming knowledge of the unseen. But they differ in the methodology they use to reach this knowledge and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best and then the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he clearly states that whoever practices tiyara and whoever practices soothsaying or sorcery or asks others to practice them for them then they are not from his followers who abide by the Islamic teachings this is because these practices imply a claim of possessing knowledge of the unseen which exclusively belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone in addition believing those those who practice these prohibited matters is an act of disbelief in the divine revelation which is sent down to reject and to nullify these false beliefs. Imam al-Baghawi and Imam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahumullah both explain what a soothsayer, astrologer and geomancer are in terms of what they supposedly achieve and that is their claim to have knowledge of unseen events aided by the shayateen who eavesdrop on the divine news of the heavens and then the relevance of the hadiths to the chapter it is from two aspects for the Prophet sallallahu he clearly stated the kufr, the disbelief of the one who visits a soothsayer. They have disbelieved in what has been sent down to the Prophet. They have disbelieved in the Quran. 
but this clearly goes to show the prohibition of soothsaying. And then from the other aspect, that the Prophet ﷺ, he disassociated from those who practice soothsaying or those who have it practiced for them, indicating that it is clearly prohibited. For the Prophet ﷺ said, Laysa minna, they are not from us. For Laysa minna is, is whichever way you look at it is not something praiseworthy. وقال ابن عباس في قوم يكتبون أبا جاد وينظرون في النجوم ما أرى من فعل ذلك له عند الله من خلاق that Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما he said about those who write أبجد and gaze at the stars I do not see that whoever does such a thing has any share with Allah سبحانه وتعالى for this is an athar of Ibn Abbas يعني this is from the words of Ibn Abbas he رضي الله عنهما he said regarding the people يكتبون أبا جاد they write Abajad. Essentially, Abajad is the Arabic alphabet. But what is being referred to specifically is that they use the letters of the Arabic alphabet as a means of foretelling future events, as a means of fortune telling. But yani, to use the Arabic alphabet for writing and for benefiting from this is not what is being referred to here. It is referring to the ones who use the letters of the Arabic alphabet to predict the events of the future. وقال ابن عباس في قوم يكتبون أباجاد وينظرون في النجوم and they gaze at the stars يعني gazing at the stars to ponder and to think about the greatness of Allah سبحانه وتعالى and to think that يوم القيامة that these stars these great stars will be scattered and their light will be extinguished and it draws you closer to Allah سبحانه وتعالى this is not what is being referred to here but it refers to those who believe that the stars the celestial bodies have influence on the course of human affairs يعني the position of the stars they have an effect on what happens on this earth and they use them to suppose claim knowledge of future events يعني astrology essentially for what did he say about these people يكتبون أباجاد وينظرون في النجوم who write أباجاد and they gaze at the stars for the sake of fortune telling ما أرى من فعل ذلك له عند الله من خلاق I do not see that whoever does such a thing has any share with Allah any share يعني with Allah on the day of judgment any share of good reward with Allah on the day of judgment and يعني the apparent stance of Ibn Abbas is that those who يعني write أباجاد and they practice astrology is that they are disbelievers because as يعني mentioned previously the complete share of reward is only negated from the disbeliever ما له من خلاق he has no خلاق no share with Allah of good reward يوم القيام and this is only applicable to the disbeliever whereas a believer a muwahid who comes to Allah سبحانه وتعالى with يعني a lot of sins and some of these sins are كبائر نسأل الله السلام والعافية for they will eventually have their share of good reward with Allah سبحانه وتعالى when he enters them into paradise for because of their tawheed the fadl of their tawheed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has deemed that they will be extracted from the hellfire after atoning for their major sins and then eventually they will be cleansed and they will be made to enter into paradise for the one who has no share with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the kuffar and then the general meaning of the athar that Ibn Abbas states that those who use the letters of the alphabet and gaze at the stars with the aim of foretelling future events will have no reward in the hereafter because their ruling is the same as that of the soothsayers and then the relevance of the athar to the chapter that the fact that those those who practice these acts will have no reward in the hereafter. It shows that their actions remove them from the fold of Islam. This is because their actions entail claiming knowledge of the unseen which is only exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, the important issues of the chapter, the masail. 1. Belief in a kahin and faith in the Qur'an cannot coexist. And this is as per the hadith of Abu Hurairah and Ibn Mas'ud. من أتى كاهنا فصدقه بما يقول 
فقط كفر بما أنزل على محمد that whoever visits the soothsayer and believes what they say has disbelieved in what was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what was revealed to the Prophet sallallahu it was the Quran for therefore to believe in a kahin and to believe in the Quran cannot coexist because they contradict one another two declaration that to do so i.e. believe in a kahin is disbelief again as per the hadith of Abu Huraira and Ibn Mas'ud فقد كفر بما أنزل على محمد they have disbelieved in what was revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam three mention of the one whose fortune is told four mention of the one whom an omen is sought five mention of the one whom sorcery is done the three four and five are together as per the hadith of Imran ibn Hussain and ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhum that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi he said that they are not from us that the Prophet ﷺ, he disassociated from all of them for the hadith it clearly shows that there is no difference between the one who practices them and the one who asks others to practice it for them for this is why the Shaykh specifically mentioned this in his Masail Six, mention of the one who learns abjad, the use of the Arabic alphabet in soothsaying or astrology. And this is as per the athar of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. And then seven, the difference between the kahin and the arraf. And we've already summarized this in the explanation. Like we said, the important thing to understand is that they share the same common properties that they claim knowledge of the unknown, but they differ in the way that they reach this knowledge. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta. أستغفرك وأتوب إليك وجزاكم الله خيرا